Hey, Ansel Lee here. Welcome to this edition of Common Grounds. Common Grounds is a place where we can come together over around a cup of coffee to talk about life experience, talking about business experience, building relationships, so you will succeed in both personal and business life. So, hey, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, uh, enjoy this brew and listen in to our conversation today. Hey, Ansel Lee here today with a another edition of Common Grounds. Common Grounds is a um, podcast. It's a really kind of a way of life of really, you know, finding, uh, making connections and building relationships around a cup of coffee and sharing ideas, sharing ideas that are, you know, that can be life-changing, including like technology innovation and um, other sorts of things. And so, hey, today on our, on our um, podcast, we've, we've got uh, my friend, Alan Dial. Alan is the principal uh, president of, uh, of Staff DX. And hey, Alan, welcome uh, this morning. Hey, thanks for having me, Ansel. Glad to be here. You betcha. You betcha. Um, and uh, Alan has a, a ton of experience um, in this uh, world of um, managing. Uh, he's worked with um, uh, in healthcare. Uh, he's worked with uh, uh, HCA hospitals. Uh, he's uh, different positions there. Uh, as well as he's developed this really cool innovation called Staff DX. Um, and, um, and I want him to tell us some about that today. And um, so what, so tell me what, what is, what is Staff DX right out of the chute, Alan here? What, what have you, you built this technology innovation um, that I think is pretty cool, but uh, in, in a, you know, couple minutes, you know, in a, the short version, what, what do you, what is the, what is Staff DX? Yeah, so so Staff DX uh, is the product of years and years of consulting, and you know in the in the process of being in the field in the hospitals in the trenches with directors, identifying solutions uh, that they didn't have access to before uh, with other productivity systems, and I approached my business partner about pulling these together and creating one comprehensive portfolio of tools that are really centered on the clinical and non-clinical leader at the department head level and giving them what they what they need to do their job uh it's really operationally it's, it's just intuitive um there's some really innovative views and approaches to labor management workforce management it's globally accessible it pulls together um, and synchronizes different disparate systems and in the past you know, uh, department leaders would have to go to multiple systems to gain some knowledge to drive their decision-making process. And with Staff DX, we've pulled it all into one place. So there's no hunting and pecking. And I'm a change management purist. Um, and so, you know, when, when, you, when, you, when I want to look at fixing a problem, the, the, the best lens to look at that problem through, and the first lens that you look at it through should be how do I prevent the problem from happening in the first place? So engineering out the opportunity to fail. And we tried to leverage that approach 
um, as much as possible in this system and, and it kind of in some ways takes away decision making from the department leader. And, and the, other, the other attribute I think that makes it, that gives it some uniquity is that it's everything is tied to the budget, the hospital budget. That's the right. hospital strategic plan. So um, that's kind of the center and the focal point is um, giving the department director the ability to make decisions that tie to their budget and without compromising quality of care. Gotcha. And, and what you've, you guys have built is, is, a, is a cloud-based um, solution. Yeah, absolutely. It, you can roll out um, anywhere, correct? Right. And so you could be having dinner with your lovely wife tonight and you could sign up for shifts. Um, you could check performance from your phone. So well, any connected device. Fantastic. Well, and I find that um, uh, very interesting in what you built. And uh, what I also find very interesting is really your background and how you came at this and which is i you know you and i have we've set in on a couple of uh not a couple is probably multiple <laughs> meetings yeah. Yeah. where yeah, we've had folks look at this but I, your background is so unique uh, the way that you've come at healthcare. Uh, i think it um i, I think it or, or i'd like for you to tell you know share share with the folks what what um um you were in the, uh, matter of fact, you were on a, a, a nuclear submarine, correct? Yep. You, were, you spent time, you're an engineer, correct? Yep. So um, I, I came out of high school, went straight into the military, probably because my dad's wishes I, I didn't probably have the discipline I needed to go to school, college at that time. <laughs> right. um, but it went on to, you know, got my undergraduate while I was in. But yeah, I, was, uh, I used to drive power plants uh, on a submarine in the Navy uh, about five years after schooling and then went on to teach um, operations at a, a live uh, prototype plant in upstate New York and um, then left, left the Navy and got into commercial power generation and went through a number of roles that eventually led me to uh, Atlanta <clears throat> and um, got my MBA and then I was studying, uh, I started an MS, MS program in quality engineering. And at the time I was a Six Sigma black belt lean practitioner with General Electric, uh, you know, quality manager for one of their businesses, contractual services. And, and in my, in my mass MS program, I learned a lot about, we did some deep dives into Malcolm Baldridge quality award criteria. Right. And this really opened my eyes up to healthcare <clears throat> as they award a healthcare organization, get an award, a Malcolm Baldrige Award every year. And I was like, wow, I mean, it, it, I didn't realize how far healthcare was behind other industry segments. And I thought, wow, so this is a, this is a great space where I can leverage, um, you know, a lot of my change management skills and experience and have some impact and, and I love to learn. So uh, it was exciting times for me. So I, I, I got picked up uh, by HCA in the North Florida division in Tallahassee, Florida. And uh, I started off as kind of, um, was brought in as kind of an industrial engineer, um, a management engineer focused on EDs, emergency services. Uh, the division had 14, 15 hospitals in it at the time. 
it's been a lot. That's where I really, I learned healthcare. I jumped in the pockets of the back pockets of nurses and really, I mean, credit to nursing nurses and, and those that have influenced me, they, they taught me healthcare. <clears throat> and so I got to see the ins and outs. And I, you know, I came at healthcare, not knowing anything. And uh, I had to be obviously really humble and uh, learn the language, learn the processes. And then um, I got promoted up to uh, the division director role for, and I assumed the responsibility for surgical services and the change management, the process improvement side of, of surgical services, emergency services, and an $825 million labor budget. And I knew nothing about labor. And this was, I didn't realize it at the time, but this was really pivotal for me and kind of the genesis of Staff DX because I could relate to um, the clinical and non-clinical directors not understanding workforce management. And, and you know, they, they've never been taught. There's, there's this huge gap. I speak to it all the time because I think it's significant, but no one's talking about it. Is this huge gap between hospital finance teams and the operators of the hospital. And so because I was, I was learning labor and workforce management, just like my colleagues in the hospital were doing, um, I just kind of have a different perspective on it. And I, under, I understand where the frustrations are. And at the end of the day, they're kind of left with their hands in the air saying, okay, I understand I'm missing target, but what's the how? How, how, do, I, how do I get there? Um, most clinical leaders, at least, if they've, if they've had any education on how to manage labor in a hospital, it's, it, at best, they had a senior leader and an executive that kind of took them under the wing and coached them up. But for the most part, it's on-the-job training. Right. So, so um, anyways, I, I, I left uh, HCA, and somebody had called me, uh, one of my old COOs called me to see kind of where I was and what I was doing. And she really appreciated some work that we had done together in the past in Panama City. And um, so I, I went over to work for myself, started an LLC, it's Nexus Process Engineering. And um, in the beginning there, I was, I was really alarmed. So HCA is a very aggressive organization uh, when it comes to cost management and, and shareholder value. Right. And so I went to the, you know, the non-for-profit side or exposed the non-for-profit side for the first time. It's kind of set back a little bit. And um, there was so much opportunity out there. And so it's, it's, it's crazy. And so actually I started writing a book and it's called the class you miss at nursing school. And, and in full transparency, I, I didn't finish the book because I, I, I learned quickly that I, I'm, I don't really enjoy writing that much. Um, I'm too, probably too hyper to do it, but, um, so I, I refocused and, you know, after a year, couple of years of developing these tools, standalone tools, I talked with my business partner and kind of put the wheels in motion to create staff DX. And, um, and so we're in the process of taking that to market now. Gotcha. Well, let's back up and thank you for that and back up a little bit and, you know, kind of we're in this time of COVID and it is um, just, um, I don't think most people, unless you're in healthcare, understand what's going on in the healthcare space. Um, 
and what's going on at hospitals, at large clinics, uh, or probably <laughs> any clinic. Um, but you wrote a paper here that you just published here just recently that really, you know, really, I think, speaks to what's, what's going on. And so can you paint a picture? I mean, just for our audience who may or I mean, healthcare guys that listen to this probably know, but non-healthcare folks probably don't know what's happening in healthcare right now. And it's, uh, and, it, and they should be concerned about it. Um, uh, and, and what has, I mean, it is just, um, this COVID thing has just really impacted healthcare. And, um, and um, anyway, you see that. Yep. So, so I liken this to, you know, I was drawing a correlation to the attacks of the terrorist attacks on September 11th. That's to me, that's how big COVID-19 is for the healthcare uh, industry. Um, what the problem is, and I just tried to paint a bird's eye view for what's going on really for the layman. So without getting too technical on the financials, um, you know, everybody understands that they cancel elective cases. What the layman probably doesn't understand is that is that is the bread and butter for the, the, the hospital financially. That that they need that. And so the scenario that health systems are in right now is they're losing revenue, a big portion of their pair mix. The COVID-19 patients um, are long length of stay patients. They they stay in the hospital long. And you know, especially with the baby boomer generation, um, they have long lengths to stay, they're comorbid, and then they have uh, a number of different problems, not just COVID-19. And the reimbursement model, you know, on that, that contingent of their payer mix is, is it's not very good. It's, uh, it's predominantly Medicaid, Medicare, and um, it's really underfunded. So, so you have half of the hospital is sent home or furloughed, the critical care spaces are trying to staff up as quick as possible. Patients are staying longer, but it's not patient, it's not a patient population that's paying well. I'm going to say it's not the individual patient right, that's paying, right. but the, the insurer. So it shifts their what we call payer mix because there's a number of different conduits for getting payment in a hospital and different coverages. Um, and so this creates a great amount of financial distress in, in the hospital. Right. And, you know, going back to the September 11th uh, analogy or euphemism is, is just, I think in the beginning of this, we could all share that our initial sentiment was when, it, when we all realized, oh my gosh, this is a real thing. Um, it was just kind of shock and awe and um, that feeling of vulnerability, you know, on a personal level. I, I, and healthcare workers are there with us too. I mean, they, they share a lot of these sentiments, except for they have to go into work and, and fight this day to day. Right. So it, the path to fiscal recovery for a hospital is uh, multifactorial. But what I tried to focus on was we, we, need to, we need to take a sharper look and be more disciplined around reducing our ongoing cost structure. Right. Um, because the revenues, COVID being an example, the revenues went away. Right. So, so our, our life ring is how well we manage our cost footprint in the hospital moving forward. Right. Well, I think that's, uh, that's, that's very, very interesting. And, and, you know, I've had another, uh, my, one of my senior advisors, uh, 
um, you know, say, matter of fact, said this probably a month ago. He, he, um, he mentioned to me that he said, you know, everybody's, you know, you know, cheering the, the nurses and, and, and the, the folks on the front line and they should, he said, but folks don't realize that most of these hospitals, um, in many cases don't, aren't, are almost empty. Um, yeah. as they've had yeah. to get, they have had to set aside for COVID. And like you said, the, you know, the electives, you know, that, which they put, they shut down for a long time. Um, surgeries uh, has, you know, at the end, you know, many cases are bringing them back, but it's a slow thing. And, uh, and I coupled, and I, you add also on top of that, which is my deal, is that uh, patients are scared to come to the hospital. Yeah. They're scared to come to the clinic because they think they're going to get COVID. And, and it's really um, a communication problem um, with the, um, with, with, the ho with hospitals and clinics that they have got to communicate with these, their patients. Right. At any rate, we're going to be putting on a, a series of what just, which is not a plug for this webinar, but we're about to uh, do a series of webinars on um, uh, communication strategies to get patients back in the door. Uh, oh, yeah. um, I great. haven't announced that, but I'm, I'm, I guess I'm announcing it now. Did. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, but I don't, let's, at any rate, I'll talk, I'll talk about that more, but it's, um, I, I'm really, you know, and I think you're hitting the, and you're, you're, you talk about reducing cost and, you know, that, you know, I guess they kind of have done that through the years, maybe. Um, but now they really have to reduce cost. And, you know, and Staff DX um, really helps them do that. Uh, and, uh, and what is the impact? And, and I've heard you say this, and you say this in your paper uh, on LinkedIn, but um, you talk about the savings and what, you know, cutting costs versus having to get more revenue. And can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so so labor typically represents uh, anywhere from about 45 to 75% of a hospital's total right. operating expense. And it, it's really alarming, and this was eye-opening for me, how little control there is around the biggest component of their operating expense. And uh, in most cases, um, you have a system that really just it, it provides you a report. So you're always looking at labor management in the rearview mirror. Uh, instead of equipping department leaders with tools that they need to be proactive and look at it through the front, you know, the front windshield. And right. that's really what Staff DX does is it gives them real tools uh, at the deck level to be successful in hitting budget. In, in a space of variable cost productivity instead of always looking backwards. Um, you know, and with Caldwell Butler, our run rate is about one and a half to 6%, six, six and a half percent of total OPEX identified, changes identified and implemented in 120 days. That's a significant amount of money, you know. Um, so, I mean, if you can, if you could just reduce your operating expense by 1% for most organizations, middle of the road hospital, 200 bed, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000 employees, that's millions of dollars a year. I think, you know, my opinion, Ansel, you know, I talked about 
the difference between focusing on revenue and cost. Um, behaviorally, we're not we're not good at sustaining change in healthcare. Um, we we got a lot of ideas, but we're we're not good at sustaining change. Um, and I think that's what drives our focus to improve revenues instead of focus on reducing costs. Uh, they both impact margin, but yeah, you know, I, I called out in the paper um, that if I if if I increase revenues, Ansel, by one dollar, at the end of the day, what's hitting the bottom line is about eighteen to twenty cents of of margin improvement. Right. But if I'm able to take one dollar of cost out, you don't net that, right? That's one dollar of margin improvement. So it's just on the other end of the spectrum. So if you can figure out how to change behavior to sustain an improvement, um, cost, cost is a, a great focus area. And, um, but, but we struggle with sustaining change. And when you focus on cost, uh, far too often it, it requires that you focus on behavior if right. you want it to be sustainable. And, and, and I think that's where we fall down in healthcare. So, so thank you for that. So. So what you've designed with Staff DX is really a set of tools to help them see forward and not really to see in the moment, really. I, I think maybe that's what I've seen about it. Um, you know, kind of, if I make this decision, it's going to have this kind of impact. Uh, would you say right. that's, would you say right. that's, that's fair? Yeah, I think one of the benefits, uh, one of the great benefits of Staff DX is that um, it drives my decision making real time. So this, this is a really important part of changing behavior because when I make a decision, I can see the result of my decision right now versus a lot of organizations across the country, again, for 45 to 75% of their operating expense, you know, they, they're not looking at productivity until month close, which happens 12 to 16 days into the next month. I'm already halfway through the following month. I, I you know, I'm, I'm not focused on, you know, and and it's and again, it's just a report. It's not a tool to help me be successful. And so, another thing um, that I'm very proud of with Staff DX is it really follows the department leaders' kind of processes, how they uh, work. It dovetails to what they do already. So the behavior change is not as monumental. I get feedback on, um or the process doesn't have to necessarily change, but I get feedback almost immediately on the product of my decision-making, which is in favor of, of hitting budget, um, you know, and, and quality. Gotcha. Well, well, how, you know, if I, if I'm sitting out here listening to that and I'm a, I'm, I work at a hospital or clinic where, where can I go? and learn more about, about Staff DX? So they can visit uh, our website, uh, www.nexuspe.com, or they can email me at support at nexuspe.com, or DM me on LinkedIn, or, or they, they can reach out to you, Ansel, and um, you can put us in, in contact with each other. Sure, that, that's, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, if you, that, hey, if you want to know more about Staff DX and and what Alan and his firm is doing, um, are doing um, they, um, that um, you, can, you can direct message me, and I will uh, connect you. 
because um, I think it's fascinating, Alan, uh, what you're what you're doing and and what you've created and the impact it has. And you know, like I think you've mentioned, even mentioned, I, 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 I see, you know, unfortunately, I see hospitals shutting down. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, on the other on the on the other side of this, or maybe in the middle of COVID, um, and uh, unless you're, you know, you know, if you're a probably a, what do you think, you know, critical access, yeah, uh, rural hospital, you're probably not going, you're probably going to get bought. You're either going to shut down or get bought out by somebody. Um, yeah, don't quote me on this. I read an article uh, at the beginning of this COVID season that it was anticipated that 140-ish critical access hospitals would not survive and that some critical access facilities actually just threw it, threw up the flag. They, they said, we're not going to make it right. and, and they shut the doors. And you think about the economic impact of that, the social and economic impact yeah. of that. I mean, yeah. for some of these rural areas, um, you're, you're taking their economy away. And um, as far as access to care, you know, what's the impact to mortality rates and it, a lot of tangent impacts to this. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, and um, have, you know, just kind of a little bit of my background that, you know, when I, we, we helped manage the high tech act when it was implemented back in the early uh, 2010 to 2009, 2010, 2011. And, you know, we were taking critical, access in rural hospitals to electronic health records. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that which was mo- you know, mainly subsidized by the federal government, um, you know, for them to make that purchase and just looking at and seeing how they, they're, I was amazed at the census, you know, that they would have each day. I, I'm like, how in the world can you make it with, you know, with nine or 20 patients in the hospital, you know, kind of deal to, um, but it, it, I tell you, <clears throat> and I don't know in, in some of the stimulus that it's really going to address those critical access um, and um, uh, 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 critical access in rural hospitals. Uh, and, and I think that even the community hospital, you yeah, know, yeah. stepping on up. I mean, if you, you know, it's, it, it's you know, I, I see it being impacted as well. So yeah. it, it um, you know, it, so it's kind of my, I, I'm, well, we've got to see healthcare, you know, our healthcare systems, you know, um, survive this and, and then come out the other side. And if we can provide tools, point them to tools that'll help them do that um, and reduce costs and do everything in the, you know, do everything they can to make it, um, you know, I, I, we definitely want to do. And that's really kind of my, 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 uh, one of my passions. And um, so I, I think Staff DX is, uh, can help them, is one of the tools that I see that are, that's out there that could help them, uh, help them uh, manage this. Yeah, I, I think we've got to, I mean, globally as healthcare, we've got to do a better job of giving technology that improves the amount of time that our nurses or clinical leaders, non-clinical, you know, are, are at the bedside or doing what what they're there to do, um, and not just throw systems in that become cumbersome and problematic and, and don't get used anyway. So it's got to fit the process. You know, my, one of my arguments with 
you know, meaningful uses because of those subsidies you talk about, Ansel. We, we threw these electronic health record systems in, but the technology did not follow process. And, um, and, and then, you know, and I was part of this, and I, I know a lot of people can relate to this, is that you, know, you spend years walking behind that parade trying to clean up the horse poop, you know, the right. horse dump. And I, I think the next, I, I think the next step for healthcare is to, to really figure out how to get business intelligence in place in the department that equips leaders to make wise, prudent decisions without compromising quality of care, without taking them away from the patient. Yep, no, I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, well, um, again, um, tell uh, hey, spell out your, uh, your 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 website address. It's yep. Nexus PE. Spell that out. N E X U S P E dot com. Or for my military friends, it's Nancy Echo X Ray Umbrella Sierra Papa Echo dot com. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Well, it, it, uh, I'm excited for what, what you, the, the, just the knowledge you have and, and, and this tool that you've um, put together to help uh, healthcare. And, um, um, and uh, I, I, I'm just excited about it and what I would like folks to know more about it. Um, any, anything else uh, that you'd want to mention before we sign off? No, I, I think that's about it. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I enjoyed our conversation and our coffee together. And uh, look forward to talking in, in the future. Uh, me too, Alan, very much so. I've enjoyed my my brew. I've had it here. With, I say brew. It's coffee, by the way. It's not a not a brew at right. <laughs> early, this early in the morning. But um, my, my cup of coffee and us sitting down to have a chat. And yeah. uh, it's so valuable. Um, thank you for um, for sharing your your experience and what you guys are doing on the innovation technology front. And um, hey, just keep us posted. Uh, you can follow Alan on, um, like you said, at Nexus B, but you can follow him on LinkedIn for sure and see what what all he's doing there. He's always got he's always keeping things updated and posted, yep. as well as you know um, you know follow follow me and I'll try to repost some of his as much of his stuff as I can along the way as well. So, um, hey, listen, thank you for joining today uh, for another edition of Common Grounds. And hey, we'll, uh, we'll see you soon. I wish you, I wish you much success. Let us know, let me know um, if, how I can help you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Ansel.